The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Amen. Amen. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Let us all live with repentant hearts, with the spirit of repentance. Even though the doors of the church are closed, the ears of God are open. The presence of God is open. It's open for fellowship, for relationship. It's open for edification and encouragement. It's open to inspire us to continue to walk by faith and not by sight. God bless you. Good morning to you. And I want to remind you, lest I forget, next Sunday we will observe the Lord's Supper in Holy Communion. That's next Sunday. And um, there's a lot going on in the nation, a lot going on in the body of Christ. But thank God that he changes not. And I want you to be the people of God. I want you to have a relationship with God. I want you to walk with God, to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, it's, <clears throat> it's unlikely that the church is going to be open anytime soon because we're in the middle of a dark winter in this pandemic, and there could be some more difficult days to come. But thank God that we're beginning to roll out the vaccine and uh, some people have received the vaccine. Some are planning on being vac vaccinated. And then there's others that are sitting on the fence saying, well, I'm not sure if I want to take the shot. Let me say this to you, beloved. Whatever you decide, make sure your decision is based on faith and not fear. Make sure your decision is based on science and not rumor and innuendo. Make sure you're on the right side of the truth. Now, I have every intention of taking the shot when my turn comes. And hopefully by that time I have enough courage because I, yeah, I really don't like needles. But, but when my turn comes, I'm going to take the shot because I'm basing it on knowledge. And you can't have faith without knowledge. And so I want to honor God. I want to do my part. I want to contribute to the collective good to get this pandemic behind us so we all can come back together and have some semblance of normality, come back together, worshiping God, praising him, fellowshipping with our brothers and sisters. And everybody needs to do your part to make that happen. Glory to God. Amen. Well, today I want to continue talking about, I have some water, thank you. I want to continue talking about in his presence. 
And today I want to talk about the manifest presence. The manifest presence. And once again, I'm reading today out of Genesis chapter 28. And I want to pick it up at verse 16. And we're still talking about Jacob. Remember the story of Jacob. How Jacob had conspired with his mother to deceive his father in order to steal his brother's Esau's birthright and blessing. And, and as a result of that, Esau wanted to kill Jacob. You know how some folk are, you take my blessing, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to kill you, or I feel like killing you. Well, Esau had those feelings, so Jacob had to run for his life. And while Jacob was on the run, on a journey from Beersheba to Haran, now he's traveling 500 miles to get to Haran, and he stops one night in order to sleep, and then he has an encounter with the presence of God. He has an encounter with the manifest presence of God. And in Genesis chapter 28, verse 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. While Jacob slept, he dreamed. He dreamed that he saw this ladder, this staircase set upon the earth that reached into the heavens and the Lord stood above it. And on this staircase, he saw angels ascending up into heaven and angels descending back to the earth. Why was the angels ascending first from the earth to heaven? These angels speak of the fact that when we pray, when we ask God, when we desire from God, when we have wants, they're in line with the word of God. The angels of God will deliver those very prayers, those supplications, those petitions, those desires and wants. The angels of God deliver those things up to heaven. Then God will dispatch an angel back to bring forth the manifestation and the answer. And here we see that God is a God of omnipresence. He is not only a God in heaven, but he's a God on the earth. And he's above all. And he looks upon everything for the eyes of the Lord are in the earth, beholding the evil and the good. So after this dream, Jacob, he awoke. He awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and, and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob arose early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. And he came and he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying that the Lord will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on 
so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Now in the midst of Jacob's fear, his pain, his struggle, instead of appealing to God, he ran for his life. Like many of us do. When we're in trouble, rather than looking to God, we try to escape the trouble. Or we look to God because we're in trouble. But we hadn't looked to God at any time before that. God is not a God that we put up on the shelf. And we leave him on the shelf until trouble rises. Then when trouble comes, then we want to take God off the shelf. No, God is a God of omnipresence. And he is always present in our lives. And he always wants a relational presence with us. Not just in a time of trouble, but at any time. Glory to God. So God is not some genie you keep in a bottle. And you let him out of the bottle, the bottle every time trouble arises. Not so, beloved. But that's what Jacob did. In the midst of everything he was going through, instead of running to God, he ran for his life. So he undoubtedly had a, a lot of emotional turmoil, distractions, and preoccupations. But then he slept one night. He slept one night and he dreamed. And in this dream, he realized the presence of the Lord. Now, Jacob had to know about God because of his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac. He had to know that God was the God who created the heavens and the earth. He had to know that God was everywhere. But is there a difference between believing that God is everywhere and believing that God is here and now? This is the problem, beloved. Most of us would agree that God is everywhere. But do you believe he's here right now? So Jacob didn't have a sense of God being here and now during his trouble, during his turmoil. He didn't have a sense of that. And when we ignore God, if we don't recognize the, the presence of God, then God will recognize us with his presence. If we don't pay attention to God's presence, then the presence of God will pay attention to us. God's got a way of getting our attention. There is a difference, beloved between saying that God is everywhere and in believing that God is here and God is now. You know, the Bible seems to emphasize the manifest presence of the Lord. The Bible doesn't just take a general view that God is everywhere, not so. But the word of God emphasizes the manifest presence of the Lord. This is why the psalmist David said, in Psalm 139, verse 7 and 8, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you are there. Or if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. 
the manifest presence of God is everywhere. But we don't recognize the manifest presence of God because we don't have a consciousness of that presence. Our mind is somewhere else. Our attention is somewhere else. But in the time of trouble, we either run from God or we run to God. Jacob had ran from God. Now God has run to Jacob. And he's manifesting his presence. So a consciousness of the presence of God is realizing God's manifest presence. Let me say that again. We need a consciousness of the presence of God. The presence of God should not be like a light switch. We turn on and we turn off. We need a consciousness of the presence of God. And that consciousness is simply realizing the manifest presence of the Lord. Jacob experienced that when he awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I did not know it. But the Lord was always in that place. But Jacob wasn't always in a place to recognize that presence. He was not conscious of the presence of the Lord. So the Lord had to appear to him in a dream. Glory to God. Now what I see here with Jacob, and I believe it's also applicable to every one of us, when we realize a manifest presence of the Lord, then there's at least five different responses to that presence. And we see this here with Jacob. Remember when Jacob awoke from his sleep, the Bible says Jacob was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than house of God. This is the gate of heaven. When the scripture says that Jacob was afraid, it is not talking about the boogeyman type of fear. It is not talking about the fear of intrepidation. It is talking about a reverent fear. Jacob had a reverent fear. This is why he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Glory to God. So when you experience the manifest presence of, of God, that manifest presence of a holy God, it impresses upon you that this is the house of God right here, right now. You don't have to wait till you get to the four walls of a building. The manifest presence of God is not, it, it is not confined to the four walls of brick and mortar or wood. The manifest presence of God is wherever you are. You are the house of God individually and we are the house of God collectively. So Jacob, when he realized the manifest presence of the Lord, he had a reverent fear. He says, this is the house of God. In other words, this is a place where God dwells. This is a place where God dwells. And any place that God dwells is the house of the Lord. Then he says, this is none other than the gate, the gate to heaven. What was Jacob saying? Jacob was saying that this is the door. This is the door that opens heaven. This is the door that opens heaven. Remember the apostle Paul. He wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. He says, these things I write unto you 
that you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. It is the pillar and the ground of truth. So the house of God is just not a building. The house of God is you. The house of God is me. The house of God is us. And when we have a realization of the manifest presence of God, we ought to show some reverence to God. It's like little children. When you, Remember when we were growing up? We were always on our best behavior in the presence of mama and daddy. You see, we might have acted up, but we didn't act up in front of them. And why didn't we act up in front of mama and daddy? Because we had a consciousness of their presence. We live slippery, shipshot lives. We live all kind of raggedy lives spiritually and morally because we don't have a consciousness of the presence of God. If you believe that God was here and now, you will always be on your best behavior. How many hear what I'm saying? You will always be on your best behavior because daddy is looking. You realize that manifest presence. So you have a reverent fear. And I'm not fearing him because I'm scared. I'm fearing him because I love him and I know he loves me. Glory to God. But Jacob says this is none other than the house of God. He's showing reverence. This is the gate of heaven. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Jesus is the door to heaven. He is the gate to heaven. Then in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father by me. I am the gate to heaven. This is what Jacob experienced when he realized the manifest presence of the Lord. Glory to God. So Jacob had rose early that morning after that dream. So he took the stone that he had put at his head and he set it up as a pillar. Then he poured oil on it. What was happening? Why would Jacob do that? Another response to realizing the manifest presence of God is consecration. It is consecration and commemoration, if you will. Huh? Jacob is consecrating himself and the place where he realized the manifest presence of God. Jacob is consecrating the place because the mercy of God's presence was showed to him. He wasn't thinking about God, but God was thinking about him. And when you're not thinking about God, God is thinking about you. So we need to live lives that are consecrated. If we believe we're in the presence of God, we live in the presence of God, with a realization of that manifest presence, there ought to be a consecration in our lives. And thank God there ought to be a commemoration. What am I talking about? Jacob didn't want to forget this experience. The same way you shouldn't forget your experience the day that the Lord saved you. Isn't it interesting how we remember our natural birthdays, but we don't remember our spiritual birthdays. I remember my spiritual birthday. I remember October 12th, 
1973, because that was the day that the Lord saved me. Glory to God. And so I commemorate that day. You do that because there's a realization of the manifest presence of God. You want to consecrate that. So Jacob took that pillar that he used as he took that stone that he used as a pillar for his head and he poured all on it. That was consecration and commemoration. We see this in the scriptures, particularly in the old covenant, how Moses, Numbers chapter seven, verse, verse one, how Moses, after he had finished setting up the tabernacle, he anointed it. Then he consecrated the tabernacle. He consecrated the furnishings. He consecrated, he consecrated the altar and the utensils. He consecrated by pouring all on it. Glory. Glory to God. Second Corinthians chapter 5 tells us, and we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And there ought to be a consecration. There ought to be a consecration. Jacob consecrated himself. We ought to consecrate ourselves. Paul told the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, no, you're not. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And he lives in you. God lives in you. In the same way Moses consecrated the tabernacle, we ought to consecrate this earthly tabernacle. The same way Moses consecrated the tabernacle, we need to understand that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God dwells in us. So if we realize the manifest presence of the Lord, then there ought to be an attitude of consecration. And after Jacob consecrated himself and this place, he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that place had been previously called Luz. Luz. What was happening there? Why would Jacob do that? Why would Jacob change the name of a place? We need to understand the revelation here. Realizing the presence of God will make you want to separate from the mindset of love and embrace the mindset of Bethel. What am I saying? The word Bethel means the house of God. The name loves means separation. There ought to be a separation from the old and the new. There ought to be a separation from the evil and the good. There ought to be a separation from unrighteousness and righteousness. When you realize the manifest presence of the Lord, there ought to be a response of separation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 17, the apostle Paul told the Corinthians, wherefore come out from among them, my people, said the Lord, and be ye separate and touch not 
the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughter. There has to be a mindset of separation. Jacob had that mindset. He had a shift in his mindset. No longer will this place be called Luz, but this place is going to be called the house of God. Because I encountered and realized the presence, the manifest presence of God in this place. Glory. It gets even better, beloved. We've seen how Jacob responded to the manifest presence of God. He responded with reverent fear, with consecration, commemoration, and separation. Then Jacob made a vow. He made a vow. And he said to the Lord, or he said, he said, if. Now, I don't want you to understand that he was placing a condition on God. He wasn't bargaining with God. This word, if, is better rendered as since. So Jacob was really saying, since God will be with me. Remember, God had already promised him. He already spoke to him. God spoke to him in his dream and told him that. Huh? God spoke to him and told him all these things. When he dreamed the dream, he saw that the Lord was above that ladder that he saw in that dream. And the Lord spoke to him. He says, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants and also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, the north and the south. And in you and your seed, all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I've spoken to you. So Jacob vowed a vow and he said, since God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. What was happening here? This was a dedication, beloved, a dedication. When you realize the manifest presence of the Lord, not only do you want to consecrate yourself, you want to live a life of dedication to that presence. He wasn't bargaining with the Lord. He wasn't placing a condition on the Lord. You can't place conditions on God. You can't say to God, now God, if you do this, that, and the other, then you'll be my God. It doesn't work that way, beloved. Your attitude has to be, since God has promised me, that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Since he's promised me, he'll supply all of my need. Since he's promised me, he'll heal my body. Since he promised me, then he shall be my God. There ought to be a dedication. And I believe this is what Paul was telling the Romans in Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 1. When he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Beloved, that's dedication. When you give your life to God, 
as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. It's only your reasonable service. In other words, if you just reason about this thing. If Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net, 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.